The Offseason Podcast is presented by Lining Kugels. Since 1867, Lining Kugels has been brewing some of the most delicious, refreshing beers around. And right now, get yourself a snowdrift vanilla porter. That's right, guys. It's a fuller bodied brew with hints of cocoa, coffee, and caramel brought out by roasted malts and aged in real vanilla. The Lining Kugels uh, snowdrift vanilla porter is smooth and creamy, making it ideal for winter. So raise one to winter with Leinekugels. Welcome to the Liney side. It's Jacob Leinekugel Brewing Company, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Please enjoy your Lineys responsibly. On today's show, we get a respite from Brad Tunney. Woo! Yeah! Thank goodness. In all seriousness, Brad is away with the Northwood uh, basketball programs. The men and the women are on a trip uh, down to the southeast side of the state. They were... Uh, they'll be at Wayne State. Did they go to Ohio last night? Ashland. So they, we were in Ohio, so then they're on their way back, but Brad won't be joining us, so we have Adam Jackson filling in for him. So we'll uh, we'll bring Adam in today. We'll talk some CMU hoops. We want to do football, want to go off the beaten path a little bit, and then we'll, uh, we'll get some Big Ten hoops in to wrap up the show. So a fun episode coming at you, and it is episode 187, and it starts right now. ESPN 100.9 FM presents the Off-Season Podcast, recorded every week inside the ESPN 100.9 FM studios, high atop Dow Diamond. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or at ESPN1009.com. It is the Off-Season Podcast, episode number 187. Good to be back with you on a Friday night here on your local sports leader, ESPN 100.9 FM. We're following coverage of U of D Jesuit and Arthur Hill. Blake Froling was over in Saginaw tonight. He had coverage of our SVL Game of the Week presented by Covenant Healthcare. So we hope you enjoyed uh, that coverage of high school basketball. We've got Northwood coverage coming up tomorrow. Michigan State on the air on Sunday. Um, I think they, they are playing on Sunday, right? They got, Mini- they got Minnesota on Sunday. So we'll have coverage of that as well. And uh, hopefully you're safe driving out there in the Great Lakes Bay region tonight. We know it's kind of had uh, some crummy weather come our way. Uh, rain, snow, uh, potential of ice out there. Please be sure to use caution if you're driving around in Midland Bay City, Saginaw, the Mount Pleasant area. Wherever you're going this weekend, give yourself a, a little bit of extra time out on the roads. I hope you're uh, staying safe and enjoying, uh, finally, the weekend, uh, Friday night. Uh, Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, and joined in studio this week by Adam Jaxa. Welcome back to the show. Guys, thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Long time. Maybe like two years, long time. Was I that bad that you're like, all right, I guess we should bring him back now, or w- what happened? So the podcast has uh, has had a life of its own over the last four years. It's evolved. When you were on, it was much more loose, right? Very loosey-goosey yeah. when you were on last time. So it's more professional, and you're like, all right, well. There, there was, we, we received feedback, and you could even say criticism early on, saying there's a lot of potential with this show, and it's not reaching its full potential right now. <laughs> it's more to, formatted. To put, to put it politely. So he got kicked off because that of that. That was not yeah. the reason why Adam has not been That's back. That's kind of sounded like what the buildup is here. No, no. I'm saying what happened was uh, it went from anyone and everyone was allowed to, hey, why don't you reel it in? Why don't you kind of have an identity of what you guys want to be. And so then we reeled it in. We want to be local sports. We were, 
we were as much like a lifestyle podcast as we were a sports podcast back then. We we read the crime log from Midland back in the wow. day. We had like a, a man law segment, and we've really tried to dial in on on the local sports aspect of it. And uh, we we did have guests from time to time, but then a lot of the time, ever since Blake's come on board, it's been a three three pronged show, and there really hasn't been room for guests. I tell you what, I know we already were talking about this, but I feel it's much more official with this uh, sketch size giant piece of paper with the rundown. This is the biggest rundown I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it's like a poster. And how do you feel about it? I love it. Okay, I was going to say, I don't want to hear any, any bashing of it. I mean, a lot of no, thought goes into this. It's new every week. The logo, it's color-coordinated, broken mm-hmm. down by segments. It's wonderful. Yeah, it is. I, I can only imagine if, if this is like true professional, I mean, we get pretty squirrely especially when brad's here we do right of chomping course. on food and doing whatever mm-hmm. yeah brad untying my shoes he does do that a lot and he he made blake uh sink in his chair a good six inches last week yeah. pushed the lever and blake sunk in his chair while yeah. trying to make a, a very strong point about michigan state and uh i just couldn't stop laughing so it was, it was <laughs> just derailed weird. the whole thing it pretty much it pretty much did so adam's gonna be with us throughout the show uh, he'll be with us uh, all the way through quick hits as we uh, bring you the offseason podcast this week we're on twitter uh, at espn 1009 is the station twitter handle the website is espn 1009.com and if you're a regular listener to the show you know good things are coming with the website very very soon uh the the radio station staff has been hard at work revamping the website some other exciting things as far as podcasting and and maybe even some special things on your mobile device are in the work so stay tuned over the next couple weeks and months uh, as new changes come for for the radio station in the digital world you can find the uh the podcast wherever you get your podcast that's apple podcast soundcloud uh however you find them we are there and then devries underscore matt b froling and at adam jackson those are the twitter handles to follow the three of us so there's a lot to get to on this show. We want to talk a lot of basketball. I do want to do uh, some broadcasting and go inside the minds of, of a couple broadcasters in the industry. I think some folks would, would find that really interesting. But we start uh, with the Chippewas, and we start with, uh, with the Chippewa men and women on the basketball side. Adam, of course, uh, voice of the, the men's basketball program going forward for, for the rest of the season and also uh, been involved with the men's and, bas- men's and women's basketball programs uh, on the ESPN side as well. So you've been entrenched with these programs for, for a couple years now. So really, Blake, no better person to have on the show to talk about CMU Hoops than uh, Mr. Adam Jackson. That's right. He's Mr. CMU, I think, at this point. Hey, man, I've been doing it for a little bit now. <laughs> How long is It's got to be good bit? for something. Well, I graduated in 14 and pretty much came back. That winter was when the Mac introduced the ESPN3 thing, and that's what they brought me back for. So since 2014, some capacity or another, I've been either doing TV broadcast or radio broadcast for the men's and women's program since then. And not not only just basketball, but Adam has been involved uh, on the radio side for football, doing sideline. He he does all the TV broadcast for wrestling and for volleyball as well. You've done CMU baseball. You name it. If it's been on the radio or on TV, Adam has most likely been a part of it. So we're happy to have Adam this week. Can we start uh, with the men? We'll leave uh, maybe the headline in the athletic department right now. Uh, we won't bury the lead, but we'll just save them for, for last. We'll start with the men. They're 3-2 and two in MAC play, and I think Adam – Coming into the season, if you would have said they would start three and two in MAC play, just based on 
preseason projections and the schedule that they had coming out of the gate, if you gave Keno Davis that heading into a week-long break after the Buffalo game, they would take a 3-2 and two start. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you looked at the non-conference schedule, and this is certainly, you know, in Keno's eight years, the most difficult non-conference schedule they'd had. And after they struggled going to Texas and Minnesota and Purdue and losing all of those games and having a four-game skid going into conference play, plus you're replacing Larry Austin, Sean Roundtree, two staples in the backcourt that averaged nearly 35 points per game last year, whole new backcourt. You've got some pieces back and you know, even go back before three and two, they were off to a three and one start without their best player, arguably in, in Kevin McKay, who's mm-hmm. leading them in points and rebounds. So certainly five games in, I think you're happy with where you are and you certainly look forward knowing that there's 18 games total. You got a shot to still win the West and this thing seems wide open this year. I mean, Nate Oates goes to Alabama. They're certainly still very good under coach Whitesell, but it seems like it's more open this year and there's not that Buffalo that is unbeatable for the conference title or even when you get to the MAC tournament. When I think coming into that game last weekend, you and I had the call on the radio, and I remember saying to you in the days leading up and then even that day when we were sitting courtside, I'm like, this is as excited as I've been for a game Mm -hmm. since maybe some of those Western games a couple years ago when McGurk was packed, and and those were some times when there was a lot on the line. The the student body was behind the program, and I remember going in uh, last weekend thinking, this is a big-time deal to have Buffalo coming here that doesn't happen every season that Buffalo comes to McGurk and even with a different group going in I remember thinking okay I want to really see how CMU reacts and they they played okay the scoreline maybe not indicative of the entire game but it seemed like Buffalo was always in control last weekend yeah I think that was the bummer is I mean Buffalo had won eight straight going into that meeting and it really started this dominance from when Bobby Hurley and Keno Davis's teams met for the MAC championship in 2015. Hurley, of course, wins. Then he goes to Arizona State. Buffalo had not lost to the Chippewas since that regular season in 2015. And since that point, CMU just hasn't been able to get over the hump. And I think you and I just kind of discussing leading up to that game with how CMU was undefeated 9-0 and at home. This seemed like it was their best chance, right? Mm-hmm. And Buffalo, a team that had lost their first two conference games. Yes, they had strung together a couple of wins, but... I think you and I both thought it was, one, going to be at least a great game, and two, there was a potential shot CMU was going to win this thing, and, you know, Central Michigan, give credit to Buffalo, but the Chippewas didn't have their leading scorer and rebounder, and uh, they just didn't shoot the ball very well, and they got blown out of their own gym, unfortunately. Well, and Blake, you kind of bring me the outsider's perspective just because you spent time at Michigan State as a student. You then went to the UP, um, and so you haven't been you know, as close to this CMU program as maybe you have been in the last year or two, and this is still kind of a program around the state of Michigan with the likes of John Beeline and Tom Izzo, kind of the, the gladiators in, in, in state basketball, they, these MAC teams still kind of fly under the radar nationally, but it's really kind of something that is a is a testament to the conference. Like MAC basketball is great basketball; it's just sometimes maybe doesn't get the headlines. Yeah, and it doesn't get the sensationalism that the football does. You know, there's you might still call it MACtion, but it's just not the same. I don't right. know. It's not by it itself. Like during the middle of the yeah. week when there's no other football on, you've got MAC football. That's not the same. There's college basketball right. games every day. Unless the MAC just starts with like 9 a.m. tips, maybe. <laughs> Is that what we should do? Beat Mac, the Pac-12 football idea of like the 9 a.m. <laughs> right. Pacific times. Let's do that for MAC basketball. <laughs> yeah, get get first take off of ESPN and put, mm-hmm. put a MAC basketball game on. Why not? Who says no? <laughs> I say no. <laughs> and I think a lot of the coaches would say <laughs> well, no, maybe, too. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but I, I think now 
especially looking back at at the the tenure of Keno Davis, he's he's in his eighth year, and I think for some of us closer to the program, Adam, it maybe doesn't feel like you know it's been that long. But Keno's almost been at CMU a decade now, one of the longer right. tenured coaches in the conference, and I think they're still just chomping at the bit to get that NCAA tournament bid, something that they haven't had for seventeen years. Yeah, they were so close in, in 2015. That, that was the Chris Fowler and Rayshon Simmons and John Simons team that went toe to toe with with a Buffalo squad, and um, you know they had beat them twice in the regular season, had to beat them three times. That was such a weird conference tournament. They yeah. beat Toledo twice in the regular season. That was the double bye. So as the one seed, they went to the semifinals, had to beat Toledo a third time. They did. And then they had to go to the championship, beat Buffalo a third time, and they ended up losing that one, I think, by like six points in like a 90 to 80 type of game. Yeah. So from that point on, though, uh, you know, they had a, a great year last year with 23 victories, lost to, to Buffalo as they went on to win the, the tournament once again. But they've been towards the top of the Mac West, but they haven't been able to excel and take that next step, as you said, and get to the NCAA tournament, which this program you think about Central Michigan basketball and the state of Michigan in general, it's a good state for basketball, and the Chippewas just haven't been able to get over the hump yet under Keno Davis's era. Yeah, the last time they did that was 2003. That was the Chris Kamen team. Of course, he was the sixth overall pick that year in the NBA draft. After they beat Creighton in the first round, they end up getting eliminated uh, one step away from going to the Sweet 16. They get beaten by Duke. The program that has been able to take that next step in recent years has been the Central Michigan women's basketball team. And yet again, even with the changing of the guard and Sue Guevara no longer leading the CMU women's program, Heather Osterley, her longtime assistant and associate head coach, takes the helm and is, is put in charge of that program. And, and Blake, you look at the way CMU has started the Mid-American Conference season, you couldn't ask for a better start from a coach and Heather Osterley, who's taken over this program. They are off to a flying start. Yeah, I had no idea really what to expect. I mean, it's not like the cupboard was bare uh, talent-wise, but it's a completely new coaching staff. But but Osterley has been able to continue everything seamlessly. And, and being a, a local guy here working in Midland, I've been extremely impressed with what Molly Davis has been able to do for the team, contributing right away. I thought maybe it would take her a year or two to get used to Mac play because she's a little bit smaller. She's maybe not the fastest guard, especially when it comes to Mac players. But shooting translates and that's kind of what's what's happened with her so that that has been really exciting to watch for me well when molly davis committed adam uh I, that was a couple years ago and i was still heavily involved with our high school basketball coverage um with brad tunney at the time before blake even joined us was when molly committed and i remember looking at the or just thinking in my head about the scholarship chart and just i just i it just how it played out presley hudson's going to graduate there's going to be a gap at starting point guard. And Michaela Kelly, you could argue, is the starting point guard. But Molly Davis has been starting just about every single game since she's been on campus. And you know, I knew that this was going to be a possibility that Molly Davis was going to have the responsibility of getting playing time early, just like Presley Hudson did four years ago. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think you know Matt and I are calling the ESPN three games for men and women uh, for Central Michigan over the last three years the first time Molly Davis got brought up to me, I don't know if you remember saying this, but you go, hey, I know this is this is going to come off strong, and Presley Hudson's going to go down as one of the greatest players ever at Central Michigan, but Molly Davis is coming in, and she's got a chance to be just potentially as good, if not very close to what Presley Hudson brings. Different skill set, yeah. uh, a different skill set, rather, with a little bit more athleticism, may not shoot it as good as what Hudson did, but 
so far, you've been spot on in terms of Hudson and her production. I mean, she was Mac Freshman of the Year, Blake, in her first season. Here's here's uh, Molly Davis, who's what averaging 35 minutes a game. She's scoring nearly 13 a game. Uh, she leads them in assists with nearly 80 so far. So she needed to have the production that Presley Hudson left, and that's something that Heather Osterley had talked to her about and put that on her shoulders and said, I need you to produce and score for me. I don't care that you're a freshman. Mm-hmm. And guess what, Matt? Through you know the first 17 games, she's done that so far. Yeah, I have to be, have to be happy with that, and you love to see a local kid from the region, not just Midland, but whenever those local kids, they, they've got uh, some girls that are from Grand Rapids on the team, and, and Michaela Kelly is an in-state player as well. And you know the women wins over the East favorites in Ohio – wins over both of your rivals already in the first six conference games in Western and Eastern. They started the season 0-3, and I think after that happened, Adam, I looked at them and said, whoa, okay, this is not normal. You don't normally start 0-3 at Central Michigan. Have the wheels completely come off? Like, does Heather need more time? And since then, on November 21st, they're 12-1. So, I mean, it's just been two completely different looks you know, the start of the season, you maybe just get hit on the chin and you think, okay, we really got to dig in here and we got to figure things out so this doesn't spiral out of control. And they've done that for the last yeah. two months. I mean, I never panicked. You could clearly see like who they're playing. They're playing Green Bay, who's a perennial favorite at the mid-major level. They get to the NCAA tournament uh, all the time under Kevin Borseth over there. They've got an excellent program in the horizon, basically untouchable. Then you go to Louisville, who was in the Final Four a couple of years ago, lost a, a battle out there, and then they're just drained and lost at Western Kentucky in the back end of a of two games in a few days. And it's like, okay, they started 0-3, and since then all they've done is rattled off 14 of their last 15 wins, right, right. you know, or 13 of the last 14, whatever it is, and they're 6-0 and in conference. So this team, man, uh, they've got Michaela Kelly, who's one of the best scorers in the country, probably – She's going to have a wonderful shot to to win Mac Player of the Year, and think about that. I mean, third straight Mac Player of the Year if she can get it from Central Michigan. And three go, different players. Yeah, Tanara Moore, Raina Frost, and now potentially Michaela Kelly. I mean, like Blake was saying, the cupboard was not bare sure. going into this season. There's a ton of talent, and they've done an excellent job of building up their program and bringing in high-caliber recruits from the state of Michigan and the Midwest. And Man, they look great right now. Best team in the conference, and they got a big test coming up with Toledo on Saturday. Yeah, so we'll we'll let you give us a, a quick thought on the games coming up this weekend because you're going to have a busy day tomorrow when you're at McGurk Arena for both, correct? Yeah, well, it, it's basically a matchup of, of first-place teams in the MAC West on both sides. It's pretty unique. Ball State comes in for the men's side. Uh, they're off to a four and one start in conference play. They're actually tied for first, a, a game and a half or a half game back from Akron, who's five and one. But the Cardinals are in first. Central Michigan's right behind them at three and two. And then on the flip side, Central Michigan, as we mentioned, they're six and zero oh for the women's squad. And then Toledo, who kind of flies under the radar, a really good defensive team under uh, Trisha Cullup, who's been there for uh, a decade plus. They're four and one. So every team in the women's side has at least two losses in the MAC outside of Toledo and Central Michigan. Your top two teams in the conference, your top two teams in the West. On the flip side with the men, it's the top two teams in the West in Ball State CMU. So it's a it's a really fun day if you're in town in the Mount Pleasant area to come out, watch some college basketball, right? One after another, one o'clock and four thirty in McGurk. Yeah, so Adam will have the call on TV for the women. They host Toledo, and then he'll uh, take the tie off and jump on the radio call for the Chippewa Sports Network, and he'll have uh, coverage of Ball State and Central Michigan on the men's side 
uh, in the, at men in the afternoon. Yeah, 4.30. 4.30, yep. There you go. So women at 1, uh, men at 4.30. Adam Jackson will have the call for both for Central Michigan basketball. We want to talk football. The Super Bowl is a little over a week away. We have to talk about it. We do want to get into uh, some CMU football. Adam uh, was involved with the program this year doing some sidelines, so we'll we'll flip it over. We'll do a lot of football coming up next. We're just getting started here on episode 187 of the Offseason Podcast. Back here on ESPN 100.9 FM, it is your local sports leader. Going to be with you on a Friday night doing the off-season podcast. Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, guest fill-in Adam Jaxa sitting in for Brad Tunney this week. We're presented by Klein and Kugels. Line and Kugels. There you go. Got to get the sponsor read right. That's that's the important one. I hope one. so. That's the important one. Uh, distributed by J.P. O'Sullivan, and this year, get yourself a snowdrift vanilla porter. Welcome to the liney side. Okay, the big game is coming up. I don't know. Are we allowed to say the name? Like on shows, can you say the name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, in commercials, you can't say it. It's like right. the big if, game is Sunday. That's or, only if you're using it to sell pro- something. Okay, well, we're not selling anything here. No. That's for sure. No one's buying. It is called the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is next Sunday. Oh, that's nice. Who do you like? You know, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, two really strong teams. Diplomatic here. <laughs> Pedigree uh, of winning, you know. Well, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, Andy Reid, there's a lot of storylines on that side. The turnaround by the Niners and Kyle Shanahan, he's like this year's uh, Sean McVay that had the Rams in it. And so there are different storylines. We can go a lot of different ways with this. You have a Lions perspective on here, which is very interesting. And also a note about the Packers as well. But I guess we'll kind of just lead into it. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch the conference championship game. So is there anything that you want to get off your chest about the games from either of you? I don't know if you got a chance to watch them or not. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the 49ers don't even need Jimmy Garoppolo to win, apparently. Yeah. What do you throw, like six passes in that game yeah. against the Packers? I mean, I could play quarterback for the Niners and probably get them pretty far. I'd like to see that. I mean, that's a good thing about their offense. It's very play-action-oriented. Like, mm-hmm. they play off the run, and they set up easy throws for, for Jimmy. Yeah. But we haven't really seen them have to come from behind because their defense has been so good, their run game is so good. They were almost like Baltimore, where they're almost impossible to come back against because they control the time of possession and it's so hard to score on them. But if they're the ones behind early, can Jimmy actually pass his way back into a game? Hmm. We just don't really know. And, you know, the point, the, the Chiefs could put up 21 points in five minutes. Can the 49ers, are they a quick score offense? Maybe not against this 49ers defense. Right, yeah, and that could be different as well. But I wouldn't doubt Pat Mahomes. True, but I will be very interested to see how Pat Mahomes does against this Niners defense. Maybe one of the best pass rushes we've Joey seen Bosa, in the NFL in, in a long time. Maybe not a long time, but in recent memory, one of the best pass rushers or front four that we've seen that's out in San Francisco. I, I think that's going to be the biggest test for for Kansas City. They have a high-powered offense, but you know it's it's going to be going up against a very stout defense up front. This kind of feels like the national championship to me where like LSU – and the Chiefs are like the sexy pick. Like they've got the great quarterback. They've got the cool story where, you know, it's been a while since LSU has won. Andy Reid is still looking for that Super Bowl win. It's been so long since the Chiefs have been there. But then here's this 49ers team that although they were one of the worst teams in football last year, they've got that kind of possession style offense. They've got a good defense. I think the sexy pick, and I would like to see the Chiefs win, but man, the 49ers, the way they play defense and the way that they have gone about their business throughout this entire year, 
I really think they're going to be tough to beat. So you're going to be rooting for the Chiefs on yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I would love to see. I mean, Andy Reid, just that guy's been around the league forever. And the fact that, what, he doesn't have a Super Bowl yet? Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's got to get one. He seems like a, a, a dude that just knows football and always has had some good quarterbacks. And Mahomes has been such a story since he came into the league and how good he's been and some of the unique things he's able to do as a quarterback and make some throws and some last-second plays. He's a fun guy to watch. I think that would be cool to kind of see, okay, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they don't win it this year, but maybe here's this new era of of Mahomes that's stepping in to be that next quarterback in the NFL. And for Andy Reid, you know, if he could get one, that would be huge for him. I'm going to give uh, you, Blake, a very Brad Tunney-esque question, Ooh. something that I think he would salivate over. Okay. Um, think the NFL wants Kansas City to win? I think that wow. that's exactly who they want. They don't really want the West Coast team. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not like a, a sexy type of quarterback. Right. They want Pat Mahomes to lift the Lombardi, and they can promote Kansas City defending Super Bowl champs. They'd love to have opening night in Kansas City that Thursday night next fall. Don't you think that's what Goodell is thinking? Like, God, I'd, I'd love to have a Mahomes Super Bowl win this year. I think so. I mean, he's probably already the face of the NFL right, right now, and the face of the NFL needs to have a Super Bowl. So I, I don't know if they'd be like actively rooting for the Chiefs. I don't know about that kind of a conspiracy, but I think if the NFL could choose, Kansas City would be the pick. I think offense versus defense, they want to promote more scoring, more wide open play, and that's what the Chiefs give you, mm-hmm. really. So I'm not expecting any phantom penalty flag. No, no, that's not but, what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> well, I Brad might have meant that. So I'm just <laughs> that's true. trying but to answer the question. It's also it's also strange that for all of the history that surrounds the 49ers, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, um, the catch at the end at the end of those games, that highlight that's played over and over and over again. Never saw it. For for all of well, none of us did live, but <laughs> we've seen it on NFL films plenty. For all the history that surrounds the San Francisco 49ers You'd think there'd be more juice around the Niners right now, and it, there just really isn't. Like, sure, they've got a great defense. Defense doesn't sell. Defense doesn't get ratings. Lamar Jackson gets ratings. That's who the NFL wants to see. They want Lamar Jackson versus Pat Mahomes. That is, or Brady, obviously. Or, or last week, I think they would have much rather had Aaron Rodgers win that game, and it'd mm-hmm. be Aaron Rodgers versus Pat Mahomes exactly. in the Super Bowl. State Farm versus State Farm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the the note that that Blake has here, and it kind of leads to uh, the final point, and we'll run through them really quick. The 49ers were the second worst team in the NFL last year. They're now in the Super Bowl. Before Andy Reid showed up. The Chiefs were two and fourteen in twenty twelve. They've had an incredible run, going seventy seven and thirty five in the regular season under Andy Reid. Since then, the Packers made it to the conference championship game after going six nine and one last year. Matt Lafleur, Mount Pleasant native, shout out thirteen and three this year. And in all caps, Mister Froling says, "Why can't the Lions ever do this? Is there an answer? Is there an answer as to why the Lions can never be that turnaround team? Because you look at their record this year." Third pick in the NFL draft. There's no reason one of these storylines couldn't turn into the Lions being that Cinderella story sometime down the road. It seems like the parody in the NFL just doesn't apply to the Lions. <laughs> right. Everybody goes through their cycles. I mean, maybe except for the Browns. Yeah. Every team, it seems like in the last five years, has had one playoff contender, like legit contender. If you go through almost all the teams, I mean, even the Jaguars were a couple minutes away from going to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Right. 
And it's never the Lions. Never. Mm-hmm. No matter what. Why? You, you think you have the quarterback, then you don't have the defense. Or the defense is really good, but then your offense is just kind of average. Or the coaching staff is never elite, and the owners suck. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, there's. I think there's too many reasons. I don't think there's one specific reason. I guess the only constant is the Fords owning the family. And we're always just so wrong. Like, think <laughs> of how excited we were for the defensive line coming into oh, this yeah. year. The, the addition, defense as a whole. Yes, the addition of, of Daniels from Green Bay in the free agency market right before the season started, and you're like, all right, we got a defensive coach and we've got a stud defense. This should be one of the best in the NFL. And then they don't blitz or anything. And it's one of the worst defenses in the NFL. It's like, we're always wrong when we think going in, you know, hey, they're they're not going to be great here. Nope, we should be good here. And it's like, why is it always the opposite? Matt Patricia was supposed to be our Matt LaFleur. He was supposed to be yeah. our Mike Vrabel. He was supposed to be our young coach that comes in year one, year two, and really whips things into shape. And we we thought we saw it a little bit with Bob Quinn bringing over the Patriot mentality. That was the whole goal of the Fords when they went and got Bob Quinn to be general manager. Let's try and just be a beneficiary of some of that that stuff that they've got cooking in New England. Let's go get a, an assistant GM or a scout from there to run our operation, bring over everything that they do. All right, we're trending in the right direction. Well, that guy's then going to go pluck the assistant under Bill Belichick. We're going to try and replicate New England here, and I think maybe there's just been a little bit too much of we we try to be too much like the Patriots, where they're not doing their own thing. They're just trying to replicate to a T exactly what they do in New England, and Bill Belichick's not on the sidelines. He's not here to fix any problem. Well, and that hasn't worked anywhere, right? No. The Patriot way outside of New England has not worked. Any of these branches... Uh, who's their McDaniels. offensive? Yeah, McDaniel's tried to go to Denver. That was a complete mess. Like anytime the Patriot way, or they try and pluck someone from Belichick's tree, and it goes to anywhere outside of the New England franchise, it it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remember, the Lions interviewed Mike Vrabel for their yeah. head coaching job and did not hire him and picked Matt Patricia yeah. instead. Mm-hmm. You think maybe butterfly effect? I'm not saying the Lions would have been where the Titans are this year, but two years in, I would feel much more confident Mike Vrabel's coaching abilities than the little we have seen from Matt Patricia. Super Bowl, what is it? Super Bowl 53? 4? 54? 54. It is, so you know for a fact it's 54. I'm pretty sure. What is yeah, that? X-I-L or something? Or what? what is the X-V? L-I-V. L-I-V, yep. Good, great. X is 10. Yeah, of course. Glad you're here. <laughs> Keep me in check. Roman numerals. It's the only right. time you ever use them. That's right. Uh, should we still be using them? Probably not. No. Uh, Super Bowl 54 coming up in a little over a week. We'll make all of our picks, uh, prop bets, uh, spread, over, under. We'll make all of those next week. That's the final week of pick six. We'll crown a winner. And uh, standings are tight heading into the final week of picks. So uh, we'll get to that next week. We do want to touch on Central Michigan a little bit, Adam. You were up close and personal with Jim McElwain uh, in his first year with Central Michigan. So, so good of a season that he was even rumored, whether rightly or wrongly, uh, accurately or not, rumored to be in the running for the Washington State job, the Missouri job. But all all indications seem to be that Jim McElwain going to be back as head coach in year two at Central Michigan. Um, was great to go get a name and a guy with that type of pedigree and experience and resume to come to CMU, and it certainly looked like it paid immediate dividends. Well, there's no question. I mean, you won one game last year against an FCS school, and this year, after not winning a MAC game last year, you go all the way to the MAC championship, and 
you know, a lot of people, I think, thought that they were the favorites going into that game and they should have won it, including myself and a lot of people around CMU still trying to look at it from a blind perspective. Um, and they didn't get it done, but what a turnaround. I mean, from from one win to get eight this next year, they go to a bowl game, and uh, he brings in a completely new offense and basically is using the same guys. I mean, these are John Bonamigo's guys that he's using outside of a couple transfer quarterbacks brought in, but the playmakers, the talent seemed to be there. It just, the schematic part of it wasn't working for John Bonamigo's staff, and you bring in a whole new coaching staff, and they turned it around in one year. It was fun to watch just them you know, have those issues last year and those same players go out and succeed this season. 100% deserving Blake of winning Matt coach of the year. And then I think now it's just the way we are in today's society. It's Jim McElwain. Okay. Yeah. You won eight games this year. All right. How about nine or 10 this year? And let's really take it to the next level. And I'm sure he welcomes that he wants those types of expectations around his program. And, you know, as the champions club is going to be finished that Kelly short stadium going to be one of the best in the conference now going into the fall. And there's going to be a lot of excitement heading into 2020 this fall, uh, around Jim McElwain's, uh, Chippewas. I do want to apologize to central Michigan fans because, uh, your chips are Owen two since I jumped on the bandwagon yeah, that's mm-hmm. tough. when I went to the Mac championship game, then yes. lost the bowl game. Yeah. So outside, he did wear a green Michigan state shirt <laughs> on our side. When I specifically asked him, can you just wear, you don't have anything CMU. Can you just wear a black shirt, a gray shirt? And he just chooses to be the slap that he is <laughs> and wears a Michigan state shirt. Yeah. to the game anyways. well we got to forgive him because i mean he is kind of in cmu territory up you're, you're surrounded by chippewas everywhere you go you are the misnomer the outside guy that's right especially yeah in the building i mean what is it like 90 percent yeah i am literally here. a michigan state fan sitting where did you go you went to Central. Central Michigan. That's what I mean. So I would support your school when I would go to your events. I'd love for you to support my school when I you did. go to our events. I, what, was I not cheering for Central the whole time? I don't know. I Apparently you I weren't cheering loud enough. Wow. Yeah, I didn't hear you. They almost returned the opening kick for a touchdown, so you must have done something bad. You got stuck in traffic. I did get stuck in traffic. Thanks a lot. I was in the building for that, though. Oh, I, was I was running say, to the seats. You easily could have piped in for the radio call if you were close. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of radio call, we do have two play-by-play broadcasters sitting across from us, and I do want to get into a little bit of their profession for uh, general sports fans and listeners out there, give you an idea of what it's like to be in their shoes. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the Offseason Podcast. Back here on the Offseason Podcast, we're presented by Kugels. It's the Snowdrift Vanilla Porter, smooth and creamy, making it ideal for winter. Go get one today. The Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. That's Kugels, distributed by J.P. O'Sullivan. Welcome to the liney side. Matt DeVries, Blake Froling, and Adam Jaxa with us this week here on the pod. Brad Tunney away with the Northwood basketball team. He'll be back next week as we get ready to preview the Super Bowl between the 49ers and the Chiefs. So, a unique opportunity where we have a new perspective at the table. Always nice to have fresh ideas and fresh perspectives instead of... Uh, you know, the normal vitriol that's spread about the Detroit Pistons from that seat. So <laughs> glad to have Adam Jackson filling in for Brad Tunney. And I do want to go a bit of a different direction. Go ahead. I love that we're talking play-by-play broadcasting because Brad stepped out and he's a play-by-play broadcaster. <laughs> we just, we don't care about what Brad no. has to say. Well, well he's on <laughs> enough, you know. I did, I did mention that. <laughs> 
I did mention to you yesterday, I said, there's no reason you can't come back around NCAA tournament time. Oh, absolutely. You are the biggest of college basketball yep. fans, so there's no reason we can't have you back when Brad is here. We'll throw a mic over there at the fourth chair, and we'll all No, I think we should just have Brad be our producer. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think he would mind. It seems like he's always the reluctant one. Oh, what do we got today? Oh, we're doing this stupid thing? Okay. Eats his... Eats his dinner or yeah, lunch during whatever. the podcast. Squirts the water bottle. Messes with Blake's chair. I mean, and my shoes. He's, he sounds like a bully. You're describing a bully right now. I'm just saying. Anyways, I'm sure Brad won't even listen to the episode. No. If he does, we won't tell him what we talked about. We'll now know. This is why we can air our grievances now. He's not going to listen. If right. he actually listens to the show, we will know because he will mention that we talked about play by play broadcasting without him here. I don't think his feelings will be hurt either way. So I do want to get into this, and there's a unique opportunity because, Blake, you've spent time in the Upper Peninsula doing play-by-play. Adam went to the other side of the country to do play-by-play for a little while and now has been involved with Central Michigan. So I think some unique perspectives. I just want to kind of throw out a couple questions to you guys, give you guys the floor to kind of maybe educate and give some insight uh, into what being a play-by-play broadcaster really entails because – I think for people like me and a lot of other people out there that are sports fans, you grew up wanting to be Ernie Harwell, or you wanted to be Ken Cal, or you wanted to be Dan Miller. You you loved listening to Jim Branstad or call Lions games with Dan Miller in the booth. I wasn't as particular uh, and fond of them calling Michigan football games, but I do love Jim Branstadter nonetheless, um, and I think he's great as a color commentator. Um, so there are different things that you need to do to get ready for a broadcast each and every day. And I think some of those transcend the sport. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You need to go names and numbers. You need to have those things down. But I think getting ready for different sports requires something completely different. Like Adam, you do wrestling and volleyball. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know the first thing about calling a wrestling or a volleyball game. Blake, you do uh, mainly football and basketball for us, but I'm sure you've called other sports in your baseball in your career. Forget about that. Baseball as well. Um, What's the process for prepping for a game and maybe if there's different elements to, to different sports, you know, how do you try and get ready for a two or three hour broadcast when, you know, people are going to be listening to you the entire time, whichever of you want to want to take it first. Yeah. I mean, even though the sports are different, I think the process is still very similar. I mean, whether you're doing basketball, baseball, football, you're, you're trying to get your charts made. So if you're talking basketball, football, typically guys are making charts for both of those. So you're trying to learn about the teams and learn about the guys that you're going to be talking about for two, three hours. And, you know, you're getting used to what the process is. Uh, it takes me longer for football because there's so many more players and guys and there's different schemes. You know, basketball is pretty cut and dry, whether you can figure out if they're a defensive team or an offensive team, they're still throwing five guys on the floor and they're still running similar styles of play where football you can have a 3-3-5 defense. You can have a 4-3 defense. You can have a spread offense. You can have a, a pro-style offense. There's different schematics that go into it, and then there's just so many more guys for college or, or whatever type of football you're doing. There's a ton of guys out there. I mean, there's 22 on the field at the same time, and if you're doing radio or TV, you're in charge of knowing who those players are or who might sub in. So it's it's tricky, but I think you start with just – you know, as much time as you have before getting that chart made as your base and then working off of that with what other little nuggets you think are important to that game coming up that you're going to call. And making the chart is like three quarters of the battle because once you put it on there, at least I find you almost know it just because you found it, you researched it and you did it. 
and it's almost just like a, a safety net for you if you need it. And most of the time, I think basketball almost calls itself. The game is so quick. There's not as much downtime. Football, I think, is when the, the research is really key because you get, you know, 30 seconds between every play where your color guy will help you out with some of that. But there's just so much more time to fill and, and more opportunity, I guess, to, to show off that knowledge that you have. Whereas basketball, you're almost like rushing just to get the, the basics in before something else happens. That was something you mentioned to me the other day. We were, we've made the transition, Adam and I, we have made the transition to um, doing radio for men's basketball at Central Michigan where we've done television for the last three years. And you said to me the other day, you're like, man, this is so fast. You know, yeah. it goes so much faster on radio than it does on TV. And, and we had a great uh, rhythm doing TV. And I think it's maybe taken us a couple games to kind of get, get, get used to the cadence because, you know, I try and just let you describe what's happening because the listener can't see it. Right. So on radio, you need to tell people where the ball is, who has it, who's shooting, who's blocking. And then I can try and paint the picture in dead ball scenarios and maybe before and after breaks, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, and that's the the other part. You're talking about how do you prep for different sports? Well, how do you prep for different mediums, right? If you're doing radio, if you're doing television, they're completely different. You're calling the same teams, but you're doing a different style where TV, it's been weird for me because I got out of college and I've been doing TV for the last five, six years, and now I'm switching back to radio. Usually, for guys, I would guess it's the other way around where you do a ton of radio and then maybe you get some TV opportunities. So yeah, it's it's different where TV is almost like lazy play-by-play where you're giving kind of the, the highlight plays, but you and I or you and your color commentator are doing more context, telling us stories about the players, telling us storylines about what makes this game important, why that viewer is watching at this moment in time. It's not just top of the key swings, left side to Smith, you know, back, you know, it's not just play-by-play. It's more of why are people engaging and watching this? Why are you keeping them on this channel? Whereas, as you said, radio, you're describing everything that's happening because they can't see it. So it's certainly tough to get good at being a radio broadcaster or a TV broadcaster, but I think it's another step to be able to just flip the switch and go back and forth and do TV and or radio, depending on on what you've got that upcoming week. And that's going to be weird for you having to do TV for one game and then 30 minutes later, yeah. you have to switch to radio. I mean, right. like, that's just like a completely different mindset there too. Yeah, no, and that'll be uh, that'll be the first time I do that. So, <laughs> I mean, I think once you get in the groove and, and you get going, it's fine, but it certainly is like, okay, make sure I'm doing radio here and not TV because the two mediums are completely different and how you should be broadcasting those games are completely different from TV to radio. So before I get into some of the fun uh, kind of open-ended questions, um, I do want to try and just get a grasp for it for, for people listening that maybe aren't as familiar with your careers. Every sport that, that you've called play-by-play since you've started doing play-by-play, you've been doing it since high school, since you were at Brother Rice, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Did that in high school when I was like a sophomore and ever since then, football, basketball, baseball, we did a couple of hockey games while I was there. One volleyball game mm-hmm. at Michigan State, uh, softball, and I think that's it. I don't think I'm as diverse as Adam. Well, I, you, you've got hockey. Have you ever done hockey? I've never done hockey. Yeah. Okay. So it is insane. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've heard the kind of the horror stories of how quick the game mm-hmm. is. You're talking about basketball going up, up and down, but hockey on ice, and basically. It's one of those weird sports, not to get off tangent here, where T 
TV broadcasters kind of do a radio call because yes. not everybody can see the puck. Yes, that is that is true. Especially I think of Doc Emmerich and how how fast he has to be even on TV because sometimes you can barely even see the numbers on the jerseys. It's not like basketball where you can recognize the players. Yeah, most of them look kind of the same, so you still need to have the the radio call on TV. And I think that's the only sport, yes. mainstream sport, where you do that. Because that's the other difference from radio to TV that Matt was talking about. On TV, usually your color analyst is kind of the star. They're supposed to be talking more. Mm -hmm. And on radio, obviously, your play-by-play -play broadcaster is doing the multitude of the talking because he's describing things. But you're right. Like a Doc Emmerich or anytime you watch a TV broadcast for hockey, it's still the play-by-play -play broadcaster. It's like, Yes, we're going to break so I can catch my yes. breath and then we'll come back. You know, yeah, I always I always think of uh, listening to the Red Wings games on the radio, and it seems like Paul Woods, the color commentator, has to talk like ten times faster than yeah. he normally would, and doesn't take a breath even, and yeah. he gets like a solid ten seconds maybe every three or four minutes, and he's just boom, firing something as quick as he can and then just like gets out of the way. And, and he's got to go back to like, okay, so two minutes ago, that was a right. great forecheck here. Exactly. And then earlier on, you know, it's like he's got to catch up and get everybody going with, with what happens. So. so I've got five for Adam. I've got baseball, basketball, football, wrestling, and volleyball. Is there is there any other ones that I'm missing? Softball, right? Softball, field hockey, gymnastics. Whoa. Um, I think that's most of them. Lacrosse? I have not done lacrosse. I've done soccer. Did you have soccer on there? Nope. Yeah. Oh, I did. I did one. I did a couple of soccer games in high school. Not a soccer guy. It's pretty good for you guys. Yeah. Got many of your bases covered. Okay. Uh, in the essence of time, let's run through uh, some of these that I think uh, could be pretty fun and interesting. So, do you have a best game you've ever called? Is there one that sticks out where you're just like, "Wow, this one is my favorite," or you know, "This was this was." A high-scoring game, you know, big moment, maybe a championship game for one of the CMU programs, something like that. I think sticking out right now is just some of the better games, and Matt, you've been on them with me, is when Western comes to town to take on Central Michigan for men's basketball because we've got some some elevated crowds at capacity at times in a 5,000-seat arena in McGurk and two teams that were pretty good in the conference and pretty important games and those two teams don't like each other those two schools don't like each other and it makes the rivalry more fun so uh, just not knowing I mean going back and saying oh this was my best game ever you know called here but I think just having that heightened sense of this is a big game these are two schools that really want to win Western brings their crowds in and sometimes yeah. they've had student sections like those type of heightened uh, add-ons to a game like that make it more fun for us and make it an elevated feel. And those games are just as fun like the half hour before tip. Like before you even go on the air. You and I are just taking it in like an awe. You just kind of walk around. Oh. You're just like looking around thinking, man, this, this place is buzzing right yeah. now. And there's actually a game that's going to happen in here. And yeah, some of those can be can be really fun. I I would say the playoff games we had for the Loons were really fun. Going on the road to, to South Bend was great. Uh, when West... Michigan came in uh, after the draft was that August they came in and Dow Diamond was packed for the whole series. It felt like a playoff series, even yeah. though it wasn't. There was just a little more tension in the air, I guess you could say, because you're so so familiar with the other players, whereas most fans that come here don't know anybody, maybe even for either team. But yeah. having that familiarity was, was fun. And when I was back in the UP, uh, some of the basketball games I was able to call with – a couple game winners was 
fun because, I mean, in the UP, like high school sports are king even more so than here. And it just meant so much to each community whenever something like that would happen. Feeling the weight of that made it more exciting. So does that kind of go hand in hand with the best atmosphere? It sounds like we had 15,000 people over a three three day stretch here at the ballpark when the Whitecaps came into town. And I'd be willing to bet that's going to happen again this year. We only mm-hmm. see them twice here at Dow Diamond for opening weekend, and then they come back in June. I'd be willing to bet three three potential sellouts on the books for uh, for June when the Whitecaps come to town. So would that would you be in agreement? Those are some of the best atmospheres you've been a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Here at, at least, I mean, you could have the most exciting game, but if it's middle of April, thirty degrees, and there's not very many people here it's tough to feel that excitement because the crowd gives you almost as much excitement as the play does. Does anything rival those Western Central games at McGurk? Is there anything that that can come close to that? In terms of atmosphere? Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, 2016 Boone Pickens Stadium was unreal. I mean, especially being on the winning side of a last-second play. Yep, (laughs) Oklahoma State, Cooper Rush throws the, the touchdown, lateral pass, Corey Willis scores, and... I wasn't doing play-by-play, but I think what made it more unique and made it that awesome atmosphere is I was doing sideline reporting and in the corner of the end zone that Willis scored on. So it's it's crazy. You can watch that highlight and you can see me with a camera because I was kind of doing double duty, shooting camera, but also doing sideline for CMU. And I'm in the corner watching Willis shooting it right in front of me. Um, it was one of the most electric atmospheres because they've got paddles, the students do, and they've got the, the padded walls. Mm-hmm. So they're hitting the, it's something they do every game, but they, before each kick, like are hitting the paddles against the walls and it was loud in there. It was early. No one expected CMU to win that game. And the way that they did win it was remarkable. And then you go back and listen to now the, the late great Don Shido with Brock Gutierrez. I mean, Brock <laughs> just, <laughs> Doing all of the opposites of what you're supposed to do as a color commentator in that situation, jumping on Don's call, but that's what made those two great. And you just, you gotta be kidding me. And it was hilarious. And all of that was just like, wow, this is another big win for Central Michigan. No offense, Blake, you know, knocked off Michigan State a couple of times, have had some big wins in the past. But to go in there down in a hostile environment like that, where the Oklahoma State fans are pretty nasty when you're going into that you're going into that stadium. So that was pretty cool a few mm. years ago. Tough to beat. That's uh, one of the greatest mm-hmm. wins ever in Central Michigan football's yeah. history. So to be able to be there for that, uh, pretty cool. Do you have a horror story from life on the road? I know Adam maybe has one from like a month ago. Yes, that he, that's he will a share. month ago. Yeah, yes. there's one that's pretty bad. So we'll let that one sit for just a second. Do you have a horror story? I mean... Something in the UP, like a two-hour drive through the snow or something. Oh, we've like, had several of those. What uh, what what sticks out for Blake Froling's broadcasting career? Well, especially in my first year there, it was so weird having to go through the middle of nowhere for an hour and a half in the middle of a snowstorm most of the time where you feel like, okay, if I break down, if I go into the ditch... I'm just dead because the nearest town is 40 miles away. (laughs) It's like 1030 at night. This is it. It's zero degrees out there. So some some hairy drives, to say the least, I guess would be the scariest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've done everything from set up the equipment wrong in my couple of my first broadcasts by myself (laughs) and having to frantically call my boss, be like, 
nothing is working. Please help me. You know, I'm troubleshooting and everything, and right. still it's not working. Yeah, five minutes before tip, you know, stuff like that has happened a lot, but it's kind of what makes it fun. A little bit of a thrill if you don't Tech, know what's going to go I, wrong. I will never agree with it being fun. <laughs> I mean, no chance. It's, Technology well, is the weirdest thing. It's like you set it up the day before it works, and then you go and try and get it for the day of, and of course, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. It's like, why does it continue to do that all the time? Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Just like we, we've had a couple instances of that this year, for our high school football coverage, going yeah. out to games and having equipment not work. Helpless. It's a very helpless feeling when yep. you're out on an island. Before you talk about what happened a month ago, and I do think it's very funny. We'll get to it. Is there anything else? Like You you spent a couple, just one season or two with the Lansing Lugnuts, Jesse yeah. goldberg Strassler. Did anything bad happen with you guys on air or equipment-wise? No. The biggest thing outside of what I'm going to tell you is when I you mentioned I went out and was doing high school radio in the state of Wyoming, yeah. and I get out there in July – and the first assignment is basically doing high school volleyball up at the top of Wyoming. Now, I'm over in the southwest corner, basically about an hour and a half because it's right next to Utah. I'm an hour and a half from Salt Lake City. So my first drive is all the way up the top of the state, six and a half hours in my car by myself. And you're talking about kind of being stranded on the side of the road or if something mm-hmm. happens. There's nothing in Wyoming. You'll, you'll go... Uh, for hours and be like, oh, well, I hope there's a gas station because uh, we're getting close to empty here. Like oh it is, gosh. it's beautiful, but it's like, wow, this is a long drive. First trip on out here and uh, six hours this to the top of the it. state for high school volleyball for like, a two hour broadcast. Yeah. It's like, it's like a one, one or two day tournament and I'm just meeting the coaches and everything. So that was like, whoa, we're going to be doing a lot of traveling <laughs> out here. So thankfully the uh, the Jeep got me back and forth, but that was just like a, wow, you'll never forget that experience. Literally the first weekend out there covering covering sports. And it's wow. like, here we go. This is real life. This yeah. is the big time, huh? Yeah. This is what I went to college for. Right. So happy to get this job right out of college <laughs> and let's drive six for high school volleyball. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, I had an experience in Lansing, actually, uh, calling a game with Brad. And two of my friends who shall remain nameless oh. came to visit me in the booth. Oh, Seth Wells. What? What? I, I didn't say you that. You said you weren't going <laughs> to say it, so I will. <laughs> I didn't say that. But so I, it was the middle three innings, so I was doing the play-by-play. And all of a sudden, one of my friends, again, who shall remain nameless. Seth Wells. W-I-L-X. Starts him on Twitter. <laughs> punching me on the arm, just repeatedly just crushing my arm so i'm like flinching looking back and then all of a sudden home run at the wall grand slam it was a grand slam a contentious grand slam that was not clear if it hit the top of the wall or if it went over that was nico whole sizer wasn't it yes yeah so not only was i getting punched on the arm and half distracted there was also a potential grand slam that also wasn't clear if it was a full home run or not. And, and Blake was wasn't clear just, if he saw it or not. Just a disaster. <laughs> the best part of that, because this was this past season, and, and Blake felt so bad coming over to our booth after, and he's like, guys, like the call, I just, I don't feel good about it. You know, I, I had a lot going on in the booth. Like He felt so bad, because that's like the biggest play of this game, right, obviously. Yeah. And it's like, he's getting kind of hounded by his buddies. And then it was so weird, because we we're like, is it a grand slam? Is it not a grand slam? And Nobody knew. Yeah. Ended up being a grand slam, mm-hmm. though. So, Adam, you're you're. We'll wrap it up with this. Um, and actually, I do want to ask one more question after this. But that horror story from a month ago. Yeah. So, I mean, weird circumstances. Not to get all deep here, but uh, Don Shadow, voice of the Chippewas, passes a few days before the MAC championship game, and getting ready to go call that, which is 
uh, as tough as it was going to be stepping in and having to do play-by-play for that. The day after all of that happens and all the emotions, CMU has a men's basketball game at Valparaiso. I drove uh, a rented car to the MAC championship game and went and stayed with my parents in Lansing to kind of cut the drive because Valparaiso's down by South Bend, so you got to make that journey down west. And I decided to not take the rented car because I'm like, nope, mileage was to take me from Mount Pleasant over to Ford Field. I'll just take my own car so they don't ask questions about why the miles potentially are a little bit higher. What I didn't do when I took my other car was switch the equipment from the car that I drove to the MAC championship into the car that I drove to Valparaiso. So I'm just journeying along. This is fine. We're going to Valpo. Get to Valpo. Go to open the back seat of my car. And I about crapped my pants because there's nothing in the back seat. So here I am. I got there super early. It's like three hours before the game because I'm going by myself. I want to make sure this is handled. This is like my first basketball broadcast after his passing. And I'm like, let's get this done. Get there early. Nothing. So what I ended up doing is they can sync. uh, There's an app now that syncs to your phone and they can connect your phone back to the Winston-Salem studios because it's a we're a Learfield IMG school. And I basically called the broadcast off of my phone and it sounds about 30% better kind of is what they were telling me than if you were to just call a broadcast off your phone in general. You know, it's got kind of that sounds like you're underwater calling the basketball broadcast, but here I was in Valpo's gym. They're honoring Homer Drew, so it's a giant crowd. Uh, it's the speakers are blaring, and that's all being picked up. I throw in my my Apple headphones here and got the the earpods in, and we're calling Central Michigan Valpo at my first game basketball broadcast oh. after everything that happened. It was like. Well, this will be the last time I forget the equipment like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you'll never forget no. the the first game, the first basketball game after after Don passes. You'll never forget that it, the memories that'll last a lifetime from the MAC championship game yeah. with with having Don in the booth in spirit with you and Brock right. and Steve being there. So that's emotional for your, for you in its own right. And then to have all of this happen, oh my it's just kind of like icing on the cake, like. Wow. I think the best part was Don's memorial service was like that Monday. So it's the next day. And I was like still trying to come up with what I was going to talk about. And like it was fun (laughs) that I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw in what I would have texted Don if he was here. Like, Don, listen to what I did today. (laughs) And it was just like, yep, that's exactly what would have happened. I would have texted him. He would have ripped me for it. And he would have never let me live it down. So I was like, let me just tell the audience what happened so everybody knows. So I don't get away with this. Pretty, pretty crazy. And um, have you ever traveled? Did you ever travel with the Michigan State teams when you guys did? You worked for the Spartan Sports Network when you were in college. Did you ever travel with the team? Not with the team. It was we always traveled separate. with the, the radio crew. So it was always separate. Mm-hmm. You've traveled with the team. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. it as glamorous as people make it out to be, thinking, oh, wow, Division One sports. We're traveling all over the place. I travel as much as possible by myself if I can. So you can have time. your own schedule. Yes. I mean, it's just like, it's like flying you know, in general, if you're flying commercially or if you're flying charter, you still are waiting on other people's time. So with football, there's just so many people involved, the entire team, the travel roster, the coaches, uh, the athletic trainers, whether the cheerleaders or the band is going, all of those people. And you, you got to get to the airport and then you've got to go through security. And like, even if you're traveling by yourself and it's your own party, it still takes a long time. It's nice because it's like just you guys, but you still have to go through all the same processes you would have to if you were at an airport. So I don't think it's as glamorous as what people think. Because people probably 
think, okay, wow, cool. Working for a division one school or university or working for Michigan state football. It'd be really cool to be able to, you know, be on the plane with all the players yeah. and the coaches, but maybe it's not everything that it's always, uh, always cracked up to be. So, uh, you're good down here in the lower peninsula. Don't want to go back to the UP and, and make those drives through the snow. Uh, we, we had a hairy drive, uh, ski and I did a couple weeks ago coming back from Carmen Ainsworth. So we're still in Michigan. Weather's still bad. It's we're true. still not going to avoid that. It's true. We will, uh, we will wrap up the show, talk some Big Ten hoops, get you ready for the weekend and week ahead in Michigan sports. We'll wrap it up on the Offseason Podcast. Wrapping up this week's episode, episode 187 of the Offseason Podcast here on your local sports leader, ESPN 100.9 FM. You can listen to the station 24-7 at the website ESPN1009.com. You can listen uh, to the TuneIn app if you want on your mobile device. If you have a Google Home or an Alexa, you can just say, hey, Google, or hey, Alexa, can you play ESPN 100.9 FM? It'll power it right up. You can get the golden tones of Blake Froling doing high school basketball every Tuesday and uh, and Friday night. So uh, check us out, ESPN1009.com. We're presented by Leinen Kugels, the snowdrift vanilla porter. That's Leinen Kugels. Welcome to the Liney side, distributed by J.P. O'Sullivan. This is about the time when we would do pick six in the show. No picks this week. Because uh, not as many games, not as many football games to pick as in zero and the Super Bowl is next mm-hmm. week. So picks will be back uh, for one final time. We'll get the final standings out. But you didn't do so well last week. You went two and four. That was tough. Blake went three. Uh, Brad went three and three. And I went five and one. So I have now catapulted myself back into the discussion for a championship. And I'm just one game back and you guys are tied for the lead. So next week should be fun. It should be. Uh, some weird prop bets or what? We're going to have to. We're going to have to throw Brad Tunney off his game and uh, make sure he goes uh, maybe one for one for six. Or What color is the Gatorade going to be? That's right. Yeah. That will be one of them, I'm sure. It's well, always the same color every year. No, it's not. Pretty much. What is it, yellow? I'm, I'm not going to tell you. Well, I will look it up. I'll look it up. Check the tape. Well, Red. I'll check the tape, but I don't want to, so tell me. No, I'm not going to tell you. Just guess a color and just stare deeply into Blake's eyes and see if there's a tell. See if he, like, fidgets or something. Not gonna, <laughs> Not gonna look. Well, I can tell you Blake's just wrong because last year Orange. it was blue. It's Josh Baker back from the dead. Missed what? out in the first three segments and thinks he can just swoop in as he gets to the studio to participate. <laughs> well, because we did prop bets last year and I did the best and it was blue Gatorade oh. and I called it. Why don't we check? Are we in program this week? Or you weren't even in program last week when we were doing the show. I know. We're in program now. Not only does he <laughs> hop right in, he says he's the best. He, I don't know if I said I'm the best. <laughs> I said I won prop bets. Quick peek behind the curtain, Adam. So Josh is our producer every right. week. He comes in, but he has an option on his microphone to either talk into our headphones and not be live on air or be live on air while talking to us. He thought he was live on air the whole time when it was dead silent in the final product when we do the show. Whoops. Not a good look. Hey, I went back, re-recorded, uh, tried to line up everything as, as good as possible so uh, it would sound as good as possible as I could. But yeah, messed up last week. <laughs> Are you going to do this weekend in Michigan sports? Do you even have a rundown? I don't have there? a rundown back here, but if I got one, I would do it. Blake's going to Blake's gonna help you out. Want me like rip off the bottom of it? In just a little bit. Well, you can hang on to it, but we'll see if he can go uh, come in cold off the bench and do this weekend in Michigan sports. Uh, we lead off Blake with uh, with Michigan State, and what's the latest with, uh, with Tom Izzo's group? I don't like the state of Indiana. I can tell you that. Uh, two losses in pretty tough fashion. Purdue and Indiana, mm-hmm. just just hate those schools, hate those arenas, hate those fans. Have you been to both arenas? No, I've never been to either arena. Two of the greatest arenas in college basketball. 
Assembly that's, Hall is insane. That's why I hate them. I know. You know. I hate when our teams go there. Yeah, but they're incredible venues. But to if watch you basketball. if you win there, you better darn right remember it mm-hmm. because uh, it doesn't happen often. Exactly. And yeah. Indiana's won now three straight against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they just come in as this slightly above average team every single year and somehow figure out Michigan State like it's nothing. Yeah, Michigan State really sputtered out of the gate in the first half. Looked much better in the second half and. Uh, Aaron Henry finally found his basketball game somewhere in the ethos, so he played better. Uh, just Indiana made a couple plays, had a big three late. You know they clanked a lot of shots in the second half, except for the one that really mattered, and that was the ultimate uh, winner for them. So uh, games coming up at Minnesota on Sunday and uh, Northwestern next week. So you would think winnable games, but Minnesota not an easy out. Uh, Michigan lost up at the barn earlier this year, so uh, definitely going to be. Tough sledding for Michigan State up in Minneapolis, but then you'd think you'd think a winnable game against Northwestern uh, next week. Uh, Adam, Michigan on the other side got Illinois Saturday at noon on FS1, and then at Nebraska to see Fred Hoiberg on Tuesday, seven p.m. on ESPNU. I don't think anyone's yeah. been on you in a while, but uh, tough, uh, tough times for the Michigan hoops after being in the top five earlier in the season. Yeah, I think I, I I've kind of just punted on this season to be honest, like. They may sneak into the NCAA tournament. They may not, but let's be honest. I, I don't see them doing anything or, or making any kind of crazy run, even though they've got players that have been on championship teams in the past couple of years by beeline. This is a different system that they're running. Time is really going to tell with Jawan Howard, and I was a little skeptical of the hire because he doesn't have any head coaching experience. He hasn't been involved with college basketball in years since he played at Michigan He's going to get the benefit, what seems like, of these great recruiting classes, and that's something that John Beeline was never able to do. So with the recruiting class that's highly rated coming in next year, and hopefully if that continues, are they going to start to turn in this perennial program that can get these top guys, and is he going to be able to win? So, you know, they've got some talent this year. Like I said, I think they'll finish middle of the pack, maybe towards the bottom if they keep kind of scuffling here. But Time is going to tell in the future for Jawan Howard and this program. What can they do once they maybe start to get in some of these four or five-star guys that just John Beeline didn't get? Well, is Isaiah Livers that important to Michigan? No, because no. he they have been brutal without him. It yeah. seems like that was the turning point. Well, and I think he's certainly he's a great player. I mean, he's he's been good for them, but I don't see him making, again, the big difference of them pushing to finish towards the top of the Big Ten or making that deep run in the NCAA tournament that... Let's be honest, under John Beeline, we kind of expected to get to the Sweet 16 over these last few years. That mm-hmm. was kind of a given. Can we get to the Final Four? Can, can they go to the National Championship? And now it's like, you know, let's, let's kind of see what, what happens the rest of this year. But I think the big question is going to be the future for Jawan Howard and what type of players he's going to start getting to Ann Arbor. Well, and there's really no shame for, for Michigan maybe underperforming a little bit in conference play and Michigan State losing a couple games that they would like to have back just because the Big Ten is so deep this year. And we were talking in the elevator on the way up, uh, the Garza kid, what's his name? Luca Garza. Luca Garza from Iowa. Playing like a first-team All-American right now. Nobody's talking about him. He's the best player potentially in the country. And no one is talking about him. In the country, you think. Here's numbers. He's averaging like 24 and 10. He's got 11 double-doubles. He's top five in scoring. He's second in the Big Ten in rebounding. I mean, the guy can step out. He can shoot the three. He's 6'11", like 260, but he's nimble moving. But he plays for Iowa, so he's not going to get the credit. And he won't win player of the year because of that, because Marcus Howard is the sexy pick, and he He'll probably win. Obi Toppin from Dayton. Yeah, maybe will be in the discussion. No doubt. I mean, he to me, he's the the right on favorite right now to be Big Ten Player of the Year. Like he's been a stud in Big Ten play. 
Now, I don't know if he's going to win the major award, but this guy is like, SI just did an article about him, and it's like, man, we're this far through the season. I bet the majority of college basketball fans that don't watch Iowa or the Big Ten on a regular basis have no idea who this guy is. But there are guys sprinkled like that throughout the conference, and Blake's got down here the Ken Palm rankings. 12 Big Ten teams are in the top 40, and if you're a a college basketball snob like the three of us are, you are familiar with Ken Palm. That's a huge number, considering the next closest Power 5 conference is the Big East with five teams in the top 40. The net rankings have 10 Big Ten teams in the top 40. That is significant. Top to bottom, Rutgers is having a great year. You've got Iowa up there. Wisconsin is playing well. Ohio State was a top 10 team. They've won... Two conference games Same as all Michigan. season. Same as Michigan. Michigan was the number two team in the yeah. country. You look at what Penn State, top 25 Pat team Chambers, this year. excellent like, job. What is going on in the Big Ten this year? Easily the deepest, best conference in the country. Yeah, it is. And there was some talk on, well, are all these Big Ten teams just getting exposed? No, I think they're just beating each other yeah. up. It's kind of like you know the SEC West or whatever in, in, in football where all these elite teams beat each other up and knock each other out of the playoff, you're going to get some teams that will rise up in the bubble rankings because they get a couple of top wins. It's just going to cannibalize itself all year. And the winner of this conference might have six losses maybe mm-hmm. in, in, in the Big Ten. Can we just be frank here, though? Michigan State's the best team in this conference. Michigan State's winning the Big Ten. Like, I'll go out there right now. They lost two games in two of arguably the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. Purdue doesn't lose at Mackey. Yeah, but Illinois just beat Purdue by 15 at Mackey yeah, the other night. I know, but... Uh, I think Michigan State, hands down, if they stay healthy, I still think Cassius Winston is one of the best point guards in the entire country. And Tom Izzo and his teams are built for winning regular season championships. They do it all the time. And maybe they stumble a couple times in in the conference tournament or whatever. But to me, Michigan State is still the team to beat. And I I think they're going to win this thing, no problem, by the end of the year. I think they're the favorites right now, but you can't argue with what Illinois has been able to do. No, no, They're six and two. They're tied for first in, in conference play, and, and Michigan State looked good against them at home, but do they have to go to Champaign this year? Are they Is there a return trip to play Illinois on the road this year? I'm not 100% certain, but you did get the trip to Mackey out of the way. You've got Assembly Hall out of the way. Yeah, two losses. Your two losses in conference play, but like Adam said, really not a whole lot you can uh, hang your head about for losing in those And it's, it's Underwood, man. It's like year one or two of them turning that thing around. Again, yeah. Tom Izzo has been there. He's been doing this for two decades, man. They're built to win the regular season. This look, is arguably one of the best teams that Izzo has had. Look how long it's taken Archie Miller at Indiana. Yeah. It's taken him a while. Mm-hmm. This is year four or five for him. And, you know, I was there uh, at Assembly Hall a couple years ago for a Michigan State road game, one of the best college basketball experiences I've ever had. And they were booing them. They were booing right. Archie Miller, you know, like a great ovation every time like you get in Indiana when you walk out of the tunnel before before tip. But late in the second half when your team is shooting under 30% from the field, I mean, they're booing the guy. And it's like you got to give some of these people time. So Michigan State does have a return trip to Illinois. Yes, they do. They actually have a pretty tough road schedule coming up. They have to go at Minnesota, at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Illinois, yeah. at Maryland, at Penn State. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, they, they're only like winnable, like truly confident I am in a road win for them is at Nebraska because mm-hmm. they're terrible. Right. Other than that, those are all losable mm-hmm. games. Yeah. And that's the other thing with the Big Ten, and this has been something in the past, but it seems even more heightened this year is trying to win road games in this conference is just so hard. Brutal. Wherever you go, whether it's it's going to play at Northwestern, who's struggling this year, or whether you're going out in Fred Hoiberg's first season to Nebraska, like 
There is not a break on your schedule if you're leaving your home building to go out and try and get a win in this conference. And I'm glad that Michigan State played Rutgers early and Mm -hmm. at home. I would not want to play them late at the rack because they already, every single year, always play Michigan State tough for some reason. But, I mean, I would almost chalk that up as a loss if they had to do that. It it used to be, sorry, yeah, Rutgers, Penn State. uh, I mean, you could go to these schools and and you would say, yep, we're going to get a win there, Northwestern, and that's not the case anymore. Right. 44-11. Home teams are in Big Ten play. You win eight out of every ten home games you play if you're in the Big Ten this year. Two out of ten. 20% chance going on the road. It's remarkable how good teams are on their own floor. Yeah, especially this year in the Big Ten. Okay, Baker, cold off the bench, out of the bullpen, no warm-up pitches this weekend in Michigan sports. Go ahead. We'll start it off with uh, the Pistons. They host Kyrie in the Brooklyn Nets Saturday at 7 p.m., Derrick Rose finished fourth in all-star voting for Eastern Conference backcourt. Drummond eighth in the front court. You okay with Derrick Rose being left off the all-star roster there, Blakey? Absolutely. Okay. He's I mean, there was a there's a segment on uh, Inside the NBA with the TNT guys where Chuck had Derrick Rose and Andre Drummond on his all-star team, and he got laughed out of the studio. Because the Pistons are bad and you shouldn't have two all-stars. And Drummond is probably Overall, a slightly better player, maybe. Derrick Rose having a better season. And, of course, he's going to have the fans behind him. But is he really an all-star when you look at all the great players in the NBA? Can I throw a curveball question at you? Do it. Will they both be Pistons at the end of the season? Ooh. Well, you know, Reggie Jackson is coming that back. Wasn't the, that the wasn't Pistons, the question. No, no, but let me listen. Let Listen. Reggie Jackson's <laughs> coming back. Pistons are two and a half games oh, out of the eighth get seed. Get out of here. Does Tom Gore say... Wait a second no. here. We could make the playoffs again. That would be a Tom Gores thing they to might, do. They might bring another star in. Just saying. That's that was a, a classic dance and not answer yeah, the question. Of course. That's you a... did not answer. Yes, they will both be Pistons. Okay. Next. Uh, another All-Star Talks. The NHL All-Star Game, Saturday night in St. Louis. Tyler Bertuzzi is the only Wings representative. Will you be tuning in? Will you be tuning in, Josh? I will be tuning in. Okay. Skills competition Friday, That's Saturday. Tonight, is it tonight? Tonight at eight o'clock. And then the I love the new all-star um game setup where they do three on three with four teams. Okay. <sighs> what? <laughs> when was the last time you watched an all-star oh, game? Years ago. They're all snooze fests. Yeah. No, thank you. Let's move on. Moving on. <laughs> Michigan looks to snap its three game losing streak Saturday at noon versus number twenty one Illinois on Fox Sports One. Mm. Illinois, and that is uh, that is at Chrysler. Yeah, played that a well, win. Played well against I think, Purdue. I think that's a Michigan win, just yeah. because they are desperate. I they mean, need they, it. they just went lost at Minnesota. They got beat bad by Penn State at home. Yeah. I, I didn't even get a chance to watch that one. But Illinois coming off a high, winning at Purdue. I don't know if they can go back to back and win at Purdue and at Michigan. Yeah, I think they need this one. This mm. this is a must have for Juwan Howard's group. Will Michigan State finally show up for a road Oof. game? They play Minnesota Sunday at 3 p.m. on Fox. That's strong words from Josh Baker. Wrote it himself, I bet. <laughs> yeah, completely wrote this one myself. Mm. Wow. I mean, when you come out looking as terrible as they did against Purdue and Indiana, people want to know. Yeah. I, they, they need to play well in the first half. They've, they've trailed in all five of their losses this season at halftime. So it, it, the proof is in the pudding. If they don't show up in the first half, it's not going to go well uh, in the final outcome. Next. 
Well, one team that has shown up on the road games, mm-hmm. CMU women host second place Toledo Saturday at 1 p.m. They're 6-0 and in the MAC. Toledo is 4-1. and Yeah, can we get a prediction, or are you, you going to go full Kirk Herbstreit oh, in college that game? That was going to be my line. Well, guys, <laughs> let me... No, I mean Adam will have the call, yeah. so we'll get a key. Watch from him. out, <laughs> and it's gonna be—it's the neutral feed on ESPN. No, <laughs> I, I mean I think CMU's rolling right now. They've won four or five against Toledo. This is one of those matchups: Central Michigan, best offense in the league; Toledo, best defense in the league. So CMU's been great at home. They're certainly going to be the favorite if they keep doing what they've been doing. I think they should win this game, but don't sleep on the Rockets, man. Ooh, Trisha ooh. Cullop, she's got a good ball club over there. Okay, last one, big. The CMU men had a week off after their blowout loss to Buffalo. They will host first place Ball State Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Normally, I'd have the call with you on Mm -hmm. on the radio, but I won't be there with you on Saturday. But that could, you know, we were excited for Buffalo going into last Saturday. This one just as big in the the standings with Ball State coming in. Josh Baker, is Kevin McKay going to play? Do you have that answer for me? I need to know this information. I don't know. Yeah, so nobody knows. I, I think that game in general, it's a, it's another big game, both in McGurk tomorrow, first place battles in the Mac West. It could go either way. Going to be fun to watch. Well, leading scorer Kevin McKay over 15 points per game, and he's he's a glue guy. He's a leader on the floor. He's a good rebounder. Plays good defense. You know, another week off, and if that hand is still bothering him, it's going to be tough sledding for Central Michigan without their leader on the floor. So. uh Blake will uh, get a couple programming reminders in Northwood at Wayne State on Saturday. That's one and three. Uh, the Wayne State women are four and six in Gleak play. The men are three and ten. So Northwood should have a chance in both of those games. Brad Tunney and Travis McCurdy will have the call on Saturday. Northwood uh, could use a couple wins on the basketball court there. And then a couple games coming up for you next week. We'll get a thought from you on these. Dow at Bay City Central Girls on Tuesday. And then the Midland Dow doubleheader switching over to HH Dow High on Friday night. That should be really exciting on Friday. I think so. Uh, The first matchup was fun. I think the second one is going to be even better. I'm more excited for the girls game because Mm -hmm. you actually have two really good teams you look at the MPR rankings, uh-huh, which stand for Michigan Power Rating Rankings. Okay, I, I suppose. <laughs> if you look at how they stack up, Midland is a is a top ten team in the state, and Dow is right behind them. So the girls' game is going to be really fun, and and the boys are always competitive no matter what kind of season if one is up and one is down they always seem to to battle it out and chemix on the girl side still undefeated yes they are tops in the svl we'll see if they're undefeated heading into friday i think they probably have a midweek game so if they can get over that hump Mm -hmm. keep that perfect season alive took Jaden clovis a couple years as the leader of the the midland lady chemix but now they are rolling they've got a stacked roster and uh the tide could maybe finally be turning in the saginaw valley league it's been dow and heritage for a long time here in recent memory in the svl midland chemix gonna have something to say about it uh this year adam appreciate you uh giving us the time and thanks for making the drive over from mount pleasant and uh We'll make sure you're not a stranger around these parts yeah, here. We'll thanks for having back. me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this edition of ESPN 100.9 FMZ Offseason Podcast. Follow the station on Twitter at ESPN1009. Until we talk to you next time, for Blake, Josh, and our special guest, Adam, I'm Matt. This has been the Offseason Podcast. Oh yeah, kick it!